0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. for you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pellett, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland.
1: We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Says who? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hit a wall with that one. All right. So we're going to talk today about technology used in the classroom and what the school classroom of the future could look like. Uh, Technology in classrooms is is kind of a, a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've heard about a lot of different initiatives to try and bring more technology into the classroom. Right. And about how the emphasis on the importance of technology in daily life dictates that we have to introduce students to technology earlier and, uh, and more effectively. Mm-hmm. The more effectively, as it turns out, is the really tricky part. Indeed. Because uh, it's – not to not to diminish how difficult it is to raise the money and and uh, purchase the the uh, the materials and the equipment necessary to to allow students to have access to to technology mm-hmm. but it's way easier to throw tools at someone than it is to teach them how to use them absolutely but we're really not focusing on that in this episode. This is going to be one of uh, actually a series where we thought we'd do it like uh, an educational series of mm-hmm. episodes similar to our movie making series. So in this one, let's just talk about some of the tech you find in classrooms today and what we might see, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years in the future. It's really hard to predict that kind of thing because uh, technology is notoriously difficult to to you know, be clairvoyant and sit there and say, "This is exactly what's going to happen in ten years." Not to mention the fact that um, budgeting, being what it is right
0: now in the current economic downturn, sure. uh, that's that's slowing down some things like uh, R and D, plus you know the ability to add new technology to the classroom. Right um, now, the schools are strapped for cash to pay teachers with.
1: Yeah. Really, we're going to try and focus on what the ideal situation would be. You know, like let's assume that the schools have the funding necessary to implement the technology. What would a a classroom in the future look like? Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, uh, Paulette, you make a really good point. The the classroom of the future relies just as much, or even more so, upon political and economic uh, factors than technological factors. Uh, but let's—we're let, going to try and take a, a shiny, happy look and assume that that uh, the schools get the support system they need in order to implement the classroom of the future.
0: Well, there are all kinds of things that, that people can do, and already uh, there's already been a lot of development along those lines uh, right. for the technology in the classroom, things that, that are already in place today um, that I think will be refined in the next generation of technology in classrooms.
1: Now, I'm coming at this at a, at a real disadvantage, actually, uh, and the reason why I say that is because when I attended school, back in elementary school and high school and even college. Uh, Technology was pretty much the same as it had been from all the way back to the 50s. I mean, you're talking about the fact that the, the most technologically advanced thing that we had access to in a, a general class was usually a television and VCR, which of course does, you know, that is after 1950 obviously the VCR, but but that was about as far as we got as far as advanced technology was. We did have computer classes where we had access to computers, but that was not One of the tools that was used throughout the school. Like that wasn't – every classroom did not even have a single computer, much less multiple computers for students to use. Mm -hmm. And, of course, when Paulette went to school, they had just recently discovered fire. So he also is coming at this from a different – please put down the hammer – yeah, you'll get what's coming to you. Actually, yeah. we, we, we do have, uh,
0: to give you all the, the listeners perspective, we do have quite a few, uh, younger listeners who are in school still. Yes. Um, so you may laugh at this, but you think about this. Um, Jonathan and I are both in our thirties. Um, and it really, you know, if you think about it, that's a really short time for the advances in technology to have come as far as they have. I mean, before, you know, when we were in, in grade school, we had, you know, film projectors in the classroom still. Yeah, I know I overhead projectors. Overhead maybe. projectors, you know, with the, the transparencies, uh, TVs, in some cases VCRs. Um, you know, now everything is is completely different. There were There might have been a computer or two in the media center. Right. But, I mean just a few years before, you know, in in the uh, 1960s and early 70s, that was was really rare. We didn't have uh, electronic calculators in the classroom until probably second or third grade for me, and, you know, we weren't really allowed to use them as part of our studies until high school when we got into things like chemistry and physics, where you actually needed to do pretty complex calculations quickly. So, you know, now... In, in most modern classrooms i think uh in at least in in schools that are uh that can afford them there are you know pcs pretty much you know in in most classrooms i think in at least in the united states um of course it varies from school to school school district to school district uh sure. money has a whole lot to do with that um but computers are pretty affordable now so it's not nearly as unusual to see them as it would have been just a few years ago
1: yeah i mean even even some things that are are Incredibly simple from a technological point of view, have made a big impact in the way that uh, that teachers teach and students learn. For example, again, when I attended school, um, the chalkboard was still very much the most common form of uh, of display that you would see in mm-hmm. a classroom, and whiteboards really weren't around at all <laughs> yeah. until I think I think when I got to maybe my junior or senior year in high school our school started to switch over from chalkboards to mm-hmm. to whiteboards which you know of course were just easier to maintain and much easier to write on and you also didn't have to worry about someone going crazy and and doing the fingernails down the whiteboard thing because it just didn't uh, didn't have the same effect as the bone chilling sound you would get from a the chalkboard please whoever's doing the sound effects for this podcast please do not include that because i personally can't stand it and yeah. i definitely don't want listener mail about it yeah
0: yeah no uh brief brief aside yeah i had one uh, my uh, precalculus teacher would be covered from tip of finger to elbow in chalk dust I mean the the chalk dust in that room was pervasive. It was it was very, very bad. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm kinda glad to see the chalkboard go away. On the, uh, downside, in a way.
1: on the downside, you can't you can no longer punish students by making the bad ones go out and uh bang the erasers together to get all the chalk dust out.
0: Well you can make them bang the erasers together, there's just not gonna get any chalk dust out. That's true. Go bang so, the erasers erasers together for no reason.
1: But there are classrooms today that have gone beyond even the white whiteboard oh, uh, sure. uh, where you can have um projectors and either project against a screen or, or a wall or whatever mm-hmm. um, and use that as a display. And I've even seen a few. Now, granted, this is in a very few select schools because it's clearly an expensive um, uh, investment. But I've seen so, some using... Uh, Flat panel displays, mm-hmm. or or even multi-touch sort of surfaces, to uh, to display lessons and and show concepts, and uh, that's something that I would expect to see more in the future as. A combination of factors, uh, converge. One, assuming that, uh, that we get our, our priorities straight and we invest in education to the extent that, uh, that's really necessary. Two, that, uh, that the prices continue to drop on the technology. So things like multi-touch, um, uh, displays end up going down in price. Because, like, right now, like, let's say you wanted to get a Microsoft Surface. Mm-hmm. Which would be a useful educational tool. Sure. Uh, at least potentially could be. Um, that's around 10 grand. You mm-hmm. know, that's, that's a pretty expensive investment. That's pricey. Yeah. And, and of course technology does break down over time. So you're making an investment that you know is not a one time investment. It's going to be a continuing investment. You're going to have to maintain that and upgrade it and things of that nature. So, um, but let's, but assuming we get there, that kind of, of, uh, display would be something I would expect to see in the classroom of the future. And I can think of a dozen different ways to use that technology to, uh, to help expand a lesson so that it goes beyond the simple, here's a fact and, uh, and even here's the context of that fact. Um, you know, the whole skill and drill approach to teaching would not necessarily even come into play, which is great because skill and drill is really not that effective. I mean, it can, it can teach you a very basic approach to do something but mm-hmm. it's it's not the kind of thing that usually lasts in a in a student's mind
0: right well you know it, it's pretty well established that people learn by doing right uh, which is one of the things that i think makes touchscreens such a good the, the fact that they are, are becoming more affordable, it makes it such a good thing because uh, it will allow, you know, assuming that people are, you know, have the opportunity to purchase this for their schools, it's going to give students the opportunity to get their hands on the project and actually dig in a little bit. Um, and the more pervasive technology gets in the classroom, uh, you know, that's that's going to be a, a good thing, too, to have uh, computers on desktops and things like that. Um, of course, those things can be distractions just yeah. as just as easily. Um, you know, speaking as, uh, well, actually, by the time you're listening to this, I will no longer be a college student. I will be a, a recent graduate. But <laughs> time of recording this, I have a couple days left. Um, yeah, I mean people uh i have heard stories from professors um now this is primarily higher education but people bring their laptops to class and theoretically you could be taking notes you could be recording the lecture for later um you could be playing minesweeper when the when the professor's not looking solitaire. and it happens
1: a lot yeah if you're in <laughs> so if I you're in congress these... solitaire is the game to play really you you didn't hear that story no i didn't yeah yeah let's not go into it it's depressing <laughs> But yeah, I mean, pers- having personal technology on the
0: desk um, can be a, a, a boon and, and a hindrance to uh, to the teacher as well. So right. you know, we have to be have to be careful about it with regard to that as
1: well. So, really, the the technology I mainly focus on for things like that's currently in schools and stuff that needs to be more pervasive, especially once we're looking at things like the the classroom of the future. Um, Internet connectivity yes. is definitely way up there, mm-hmm. and uh, and ideally, you should have both wired and wireless connectivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and either you're using, you know, however you're getting the internet access, whether it's satellite or through cable or whatever, um, it needs to be reliable and fast, mm-hmm. uh, so that you can. To actually access the tools that you're using to, to teach or if you're a student so that you can access the tools you need to learn. Right, um, and uh, so, so that's, that's pretty much a given. So we need to make sure that, that we have broadband connectivity to the school systems so that they can take advantage of the tools. I mean when you think about it, once you get past that initial investment, that's something that, that pays for itself very quickly because now when again, when I went to school, My resources were limited to whatever was in the school building, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't. There was no internet for me to connect to. Right. If I were to, if I needed to. Well, there was. They just weren't connected. Not for me to connect to. (laughs) Oh, right. Um, There wasn't internet that I could not connect to, or at least there was a network. At At the time when I first going started going to school, there was ARPANET. <laughs> but uh at any rate the the idea here being that uh that you, you were limited to whatever was in the school library and your textbooks, right. that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. so if you were doing a project uh you might make a trip all the way out to the nearest public library, which would expand your your uh, resources a little bit, or if you're lucky to live near a college, you might go to the college library, which sure. expanded it extensively, yes, mm-hmm. but it still was you were still limited geographically by the, you know how much information you could access now with the internet that's no longer an issue uh, a lot of schools have agreements or even a database where students can use it to research scholarly articles and uh, and journals and things of that nature uh, that you physically could not store within mm-hmm. a school's building sure sure so uh, so obviously, internet connectivity is of vital importance if a if a student is to have the same advantages in one district as a student in another. Now, mm-hmm. um, we our our headquarters are in Atlanta, so we're, we've gotten kind of accustomed to the whole city life. Lifestyle, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So we have, we're used to having lots of resources at our disposal. Now I grew up in in a more, much more rural part of Georgia Mm -hmm. where those resources were not as close at hand. So it's also important to make sure that the connectivity extends out to the school districts that aren't in cities that you know those are just as important you never know where the next you know brilliant mind is going to come from mm-hmm. it's not necessarily going to be the heart of the of metropolis it may come out of the middle of nowhere sure but unless you give that person access to the right tools he or she may not be able to, to reach full potential
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so internet connectivity we're talking so we need devices for for students to to access the internet we need the internet connect, connectivity or else the devices are pretty much you know just a dead weight, right? Um, theoretically, you can then move to a paperless uh, school classroom. Although mm-hmm. we've seen how difficult it's been to do that in business, sure. Um, but you know, you could, in theory, move to a, an environment where you no longer needed to turn in paper assignments or hand out uh, paper uh, tests. Everything could be done over a computer. Um, I know that there I'm sorry, you were no, about to say you were no. I was going to say that that, that might raise questions in some people's minds about uh, cheating, which granted happens whether you're using a hard copy or soft copy of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my argument is that I think I think a lot of kids know how to use technology in very specific niche ways without really understanding how it works and how to take advantage of it. Right. No, that doesn't mean they can't learn it, but uh, there seems to be this perception, at least among adults, <laughs> mm-hmm. that kids are technological whizzes. And because they've grown up in the era of the Internet, mm-hmm. they are Internet savvy and, and capable of navigating it in ways that we can't imagine. Right, right. I'm not convinced that's reality. Well,
0: no um – I think what Jonathan is speaking of is uh, I sent him an article that was in uh, Der Spiegel, the German news magazine, about uh, in which they had done a study on, on German kids. And they said, oh, well, you know, these German kids, they've grown up with the Internet. They're familiar with it. They know how to find the best information. They know how their way around. Uh, as it turns out, they, they pretty much chat and watch video and listen to music and really other than that they really aren't all that interested in it nor are they comfortable you know digging around for information they don't they can't maximize the internet they just sort of use it for recreational use and only when it's convenient for them so it's not the indispensable tool for uh that it is for uh people who are you know. 30s, 40s, you know, we are all going, wow, this is really neat. And the kids are like, yeah, so... I've it's been that. around. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it was here when I got here, so therefore it's just normal. Yeah. That to us, it's still new. To them, it's what has always been there, just mm-hmm. because they their age. So uh, so part of the classroom of the future isn't just that, you know, you have all these technological advances. It's also uh, adjusting your, your teaching methods so that you take full advantage of them. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's let's talk a little bit more about some of the other elements we might see in the classroom of the future okay um, one of the
0: things that uh, that I was going to mention just a, a minute ago was um, the uh, virtual classroom tools mm-hmm. uh, that I've been personally that I've been using over the past two years and um, pursuing my master's degree and uh, you know th- those are uh, tools like uh, those of you who are college students probably n- may wince when I say the following word blackboard or uh, web CT uh, those two merged actually a few years ago um, there's an open source competitor which I understand is Really excellent, called Moodle. Um, even those those have been used in higher education for several years now. Uh, basically, uh, for those of you who have been out of academia for a while uh, or aren't an academia nut, uh, okay, maybe not. Um, you you may not necessarily be familiar with this. Um, academia nut. <laughs> um, basically, what, what this is, is it gives uh, people an opportunity to pursue distance education. It doesn't even necessarily have to be at a distance, mm-hmm. but it does give you an opportunity to... It's sort of like an intranet for students because you can gather together participate in a lecture where the the professor or teacher can put up uh, slides like a PowerPoint presentation, for example. Um, He or she can show you the desktop on the computer so they can walk you through uh, what it is that they're doing. Um, You can share assignments, post uh, discussion uh, board postings and and basically start an online discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, You can see your grades uh, should the teacher Uh, be willing to post them but you know it's it's kind of um i used to lose my assignment book all the time when i was a kid and tools like this you know everything's posted on there you don't have an excuse if you're out sick you know what the day's assignment is you know where you're supposed to be you can see what other people are doing the the teacher can track your progress through the course Mm -hmm. i mean these kinds of tools they're i would i would say they're probably still in their first maybe second generation but i think in the future they'll be a lot more refined they're the reason I said people might wince when they hear blackboard is um, as good as blackboard is, a lot of people complain about its stability and reliability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as as time goes on, it's like any Technology product—it's going to get more refined. It's going to get more sophisticated. There'll be more technology that you can, more things that you can do with it. Right, you know video chat and other functions. Yeah, that—that that was a word I was looking for, and trying not to look like I was looking for a word. <laughs> um, but you know, the Moodle thing actually brings up a good point because I think open source technology is going to make a big difference because open source, you know, may offer more cost effective alternatives and get technology into classrooms
1: right yeah uh, some of the things that that I looked into when I was really looking at the the classroom of the future have very little to do with technology directly mm-hmm. um, and more to do with uh, adjusting the the whole paradigm if you if you will of, twenty cents yeah, <laughs> the paradigm of how we go about educating mm-hmm. students sure so Again, when I mentioned that you know the technology hadn't really changed much, uh, if you look at the the method of teaching, the just the average method of teaching mm-hmm. in, in schools across the world, really, um, I think more often than not, you're going to find the classic teacher behind a big desk. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a, a whiteboard or chalkboard or something behind him or her, and then the students are seated at desks that are in rows that go to the back of the room. Sure And so you have the teacher as a lecturer in front of everybody presenting uh, information. This is not necessarily the most conducive environment if you 're especially if you 're trying to incorporate things like technology mm-hmm. um, especially and, and particularly if you want to try and foster a sense of collaboration among students i mean collaborative Software is becoming more and more important. Yes. Things like, you know, just Mm -hmm. to throw out an example, Google Docs. Yeah. You know, having a a program like Google Docs where you can, or a service, I should say, a service like Google Docs where you can go and collaborate with other authors and create a document. um, That's becoming more and more important. So clearly that's something that needs to be taught as well in schools. So you have to, you have to teach how to collaborate. Mm -hmm. Well, that traditional Teacher at the front, students in rows, is not really conducive to that. So a lot of the the sources I was looking at focused not on on you know what technological advances should be there, although that was did play a part. It, it focused on things like breaking that up a bit and changing that so it's no longer what we think of when you think of classroom. You don't think big teacher's desk at the front and students in rows. Right. Uh, so one of the suggestions was that you create little workstations. Mm-hmm. Um, where you see maybe four students at a station together, and those four become a work group. Mm-hmm. And you uh, you could have a docking station for each whatever device you want to use, whether it's a tablet kind of device or a laptop, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that these workstations would be scattered throughout the room, uh, preferably using furniture that's easy enough to to. Move if you want to change right. the the setup, and the teacher instead of being behind a big desk would have a mobile workstation. Mm-hmm. So the workstation itself would be easy enough to move throughout the room, and the teacher would be more more like someone who would walk through the classroom and help guide discussions, and answer questions, mm-hmm. and lend assistance, and and. Uh, uh, it would, wouldn't be so much standing in the front of the room and reciting facts and figures. Yeah. Uh, personally, now, when I think about how that would have affected me back when I was a kid, uh, I think that maybe I'd be a multimillionaire by now because I'd be way smarter. <laughs> okay, I, I'm smart despite the way... <laughs> I had great teachers, but mm-hmm. th- these were teachers who were all following the very traditional method of teaching, standing mm-hmm. up at the front and, and giving out lessons. Some of them were really good at engaging students despite that. Mm-hmm. But, um, that, yeah, that definitely does put up a wall. So a lot of the, the focus on the classroom of the future isn't necessarily, you know, what kind of cool gadgets should students be using? Should we be giving them all, you know, MP3 players and laptops? It was more about how can we create an environment that both supports that technology but also makes it an effective teaching tool? Right, right. Well, I mean, that, that is
0: the the uh, procedure that some of them are, some of the uh, higher education students um, Organizations, I should say, are 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 approaching because um, a lot of them have been giving out an MP3 player to their students to incoming freshmen for years, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh, or sorry, first year students. Um, But uh, in other cases, you know, and I read of one university that's giving out iPads, um, and I do think tablets might have an effect, assuming that there are more people going to adopt the tablet uh, metaphor. Um, you know, or, yeah. So there are other, other options I think that you could use, um, to do that, but I, I think that, Having a device of that size gives you a different uh, set of options because it's not just listening to and watching podcasts. Although you know many universities uh, are offering that to their students now, um, there are also there's also the ability to use electronic books um, in that form factor, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, would save a lot of wear and tear on the spine when you're trying to carry all that stuff around. Especially again with when you have big, thick, heavy textbooks in high school and college.
1: Yeah, we did point out one. Dist- Distinct disadvantage to the electronic book format, mm-hmm. which is you cannot sell your book back to the bookstore at the end of whatever class you've taken.
0: That's true. That's and, true.
1: And considering that uh, electronic books, especially textbooks, tend to be the same cost or sometimes even more expensive than the physical books, um, that is. A bummer, <laughs> If you're one of those college students who, you know, you're really you're really stretching it to be able to pay for your education. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, my hat's off to you. Uh, keep up the good work, because <laughs> you know we need you. But second of all, it is it's it's one of those things that real you have to take into consideration, uh, assuming that the school does not issue you the device mm-hmm, mm-hmm. upon which you will read e-books. You have to invest in that. You have to invest in the device, uh, and then you have to purchase the electronic books knowing that you will not get any of that money back at the end of the, the term. That's true. Uh, I should also go ahead and add, for those of you who are not familiar, for those of you in middle school or high school or even younger um, – in college, when you do purchase a book, it is really, really exp- expensive, and when you sell it back, you get a fraction of what you paid, like a tiny, Small tiny, fraction. sometimes like one tenth around there of mm-hmm. what you paid for it. So it might be an $80 book when you bought it, and you might get $8 back when you sell it back, but that's $8 more than you would get if you got the electronic version.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um- Uh, These books have a a tendency, of course, uh, you know, professors are encouraged to write new versions of their old books with updated information in them. So invariably, when I bought my textbooks, I would buy them used. And by the time it was time to sell it back at the end of the semester, there was a brand new version, which completely...
1: Yeah, which meant made that,
0: mine useless. Yeah, it
1: meant that you couldn't sell yours back anyway yeah. because there was oh, no need. Oh, that's the old one. Yeah. Um, yes, that is also a possibility, and it, it would have been worse if you had bought those books new. Right, because you would have spent even more money. Well, ebook
0: readers, dedicated ebook readers, of course, have come down in price considerably. There's been a price war recently that's driven the, the cost of a Nook or a Kindle. Um,
1: and there are and schools that have, have toyed with the idea of, of – especially well, universities and colleges mainly – but have toyed with the idea of purchasing them and, and giving them to students. And, and they're affordable the now. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I don't know.
0: But they you know they they live about you know at the one hundred fifty dollar price point now. Um, tablets have an advantage though, because the e ink in those dedicated readers only shows you black and white. A tablet device, you know, assuming it's running Windows or Android or the um, iOS, iOS yeah. um, you'd be able to look at the book in color so you could see charts and graphs, uh, photos. In, movies. in full color movies. That's the neat thing about the electronic book format is you could embed, and, and some of them are already doing this, embedding, uh, rich media in there. Uh, audio files, video files, um, you know, things that you can't do with a traditional textbook. So that's sort of the, the, the thing. You have the cost and the, the, Uh, Factor where you can't sell your books back versus, you know, well, this is a pretty neat and immersive
1: experience more so than reading black and white words on a page. Well, we're coming up on the half hour mark here. So let's just kind of sum up what we think of as the classroom of the future. We think of it as having, uh, access to devices, computational devices, whether that's a computer or a tablet or some other form factor that we don't even, we can't even conceive of right now. Yeah. Um, we think of it as having internet connectivity, mm-hmm. uh, being very important so that you can have access to the wealth of information that's out there. Uh, we think of it as having some sort of large display, whether it's a projected display or a panel display, where uh, a teacher can show lesson plans, can uh, show videos to the class, mm-hmm. uh, and demonstrate principles in a, in a visual medium, and uh, – Really, it's, it, it comes down to building the techniques that make this technology effective. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what really we'll have to focus on. Because the technology's gonna get there. I mean, there, there are enough consumer demands and industrial demands for this technology for, for it to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, can, can education leverage that and use it effectively to teach students? Right now, um,
0: just to uh, just to sort of put that all together in one place, um, one one effort I think that is going sort of in that direction um, is the one laptop per child initiative which is there to provide low cost laptops to kids in countries where you wouldn't necessarily be able to get this kind of technology because it's so you know priced so far out of their reach that they can't even have it and these are you know basically a, an inexpensive low powered laptop that's very very rugged to withstand being used outside many of the students in those st- Conditions. Their classroom isn't a room. They go outside to to study, um, but it's got internet connectivity. It's got speakers. It's got a game controller so the kids can play on it, um, and a camera. And it runs on an open source operating system um, called the uh, the Sugar system. Um, I just mangled that, but I can't find it in my notes fast enough. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it, it's oh the Sugar learning platform. And it's basically uh, the Fedora Linux. Um, it's a, a version of that. And the thing is, I mean, these are very, very inexpensive. They're working on, uh, the, uh, the One Laptop Per Child initiative is also working on a fold out. It's sort of like the Microsoft Courier. The mm. next version is going to open up so it has two touch screens, um, sort of like a book. And then they're also working on a tablet that's supposed to be out in 2012, um, which has many of the same types of functionality, but it is supposed to be, you know, lower cost. Of course, that has to be subsidized by a lot of people, so they take donations and and uh you know request help from other people to to help bring this to other uh to some of these uh underdeveloped uh school systems in in many countries but uh it's kind of a neat idea and it and it does bring down the cost which may you know in turn help other people in other parts of the world where they do have a little bit more money if they can get the The power in the hands of the kids.
1: Yeah. That actually brings up another concern of mine, which is the classroom of the future might have lots of logos in it. It is entirely possible. And cameras. Yeah. Well, yeah, the cameras are another issue, but really the logos thing bothers me because it's the idea of making sure that whatever you're teaching the students isn't biased toward a particular sponsor. Yes. Um, I mean, that's obviously something we have to worry about. Well, we'll just have to wait and see what the classroom of the future looks like, I guess, Uh, because, you know, again, the, it's always fun to try and be a prognosticator, but it, we're almost always way wrong. <laughs> we'll see more about that when we do our wrap up of our 2010 predictions oh, podcast later this year. Not looking forward to that. I already know at least two of mine that I got totally and completely wrong, and I will be eating a lot of crow during that episode.
0: Mm, crow,
1: but I'll still get a check mark because I'm the one who does that. <laughs> So, you guys, if you have any questions or comments or topic suggestions, you can email us. Our address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. If you're a
0: Tech Stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter. TechStuffHSW is our handle. And you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash techstuffHSW. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?